Ruth Ramsey and I'm an adult sex educator and sex coach. So what's your connection to Ibiza and why did you want to give a TED talk on the island? Well I first came here around 2001 maybe 2002 um, on a clubbing holiday as a lot of um, those of us who are now in our mid-40s did back in our early mid-20s and just instantly fell in love with the island again as so many of us did and just kept coming. Um, I've been here once or twice, sometimes more times a year ever since then. And it was always a dream to have a more permanent home here, which then came true about four years ago. Um, And I'm working towards spending hopefully much more time here on Ibiza. Um, It's always been a bit of a dream to do a TED Talk and so many people have said, oh, you should do a TED Talk. And those two things kind of came together when I saw TEDx Ibiza. Um, that came about because Richard on the speakers committee he was a client of mine last year now I know he would be fine saying that because he mentioned it on his podcast um, and had me on there as a guest (laughs) when we were discussing it I said well if I'm going to be on your podcast are you going to kind of fess up that you and your wife had coaching with me and he said I'm going to have to aren't I (laughs) so obviously we didn't need to talk in detail about their coaching Um, But just the fact that he had coached with me and it had been transformative. Um, So I guess he's the connection because I first saw TEDx Dolt Villa on his Instagram and instantly thought, what's this? Can I get involved in this? Um, And here we are. Well, I didn't actually expect you to say that about Richard Stokes. He's a a very good friend of mine. Um, So I've learned something new today. I mean, what what is it about Ibiza specifically that made you actually want to move here or have a second home here? I don't want to sound cliched, but it's always felt like home. Um, I feel that physically, mentally, spiritually, everything just falls into place when I'm here. Everything just feels right. Um, I think one of the reasons I kept coming here after Clubbing Friends stopped was that um, it felt that there was something more and something much deeper than just the clubbing. I say just the clubbing. I think that culture is incredibly important. It's still something that I'm very much part of. But there is something deeper. I think when I say everything falls into place spiritually, there's a certain positivity here. Things just feel right. Um, and I would have the feeling, even after a week of crazy clubbing, I would have the feeling that something had been ignited, that something right was happening, and that I sort of deep within myself felt right. Um, so when when friends were all like laying around the villa with headaches and <laughs> saying, oh, we'll never do a week like this again, I would feel fired up and fresh and like we were all on the brink of something important and I still feel that energy here and obviously when you feel like that somewhere you just want to keep coming back that's very interesting that you say that because I think you know everybody does discover the island like I did as well you know in that heyday of you know hedonism and fun and games in our early 20s but then when you see that there's more to the island than I think a lot of people associate this place with that's when I think the intrigue and the you know 
the exploration really of everything else this place has to offer kind of um, comes to the fore and I think specifically through TEDx you know that's one of the main reasons why it's so exciting is because it, it you know showcases all that the island has to offer and the kinds of people um, that frequent here and also have a connection and you know actually choose to live here there's quite a smorgasbord of different kind of people with um, different interests and I think you know meeting interesting people is probably like the number one thing that a lot of people um, tend to do when they're in Ibiza so what's your you know what's your experience um, maybe of kind of being here on a more permanent basis or a more frequent basis well I think the first um, the first kind of revelation for me was the first time I came here in winter um, and I remember being at City Airport in London um, and it was when there was still only one flight a week from City in the winter and just being at the boarding gate and just looking around and feeling like I could have gone and sat next to anyone and struck up a conversation. Um, just this feeling of excitement, just looking around. You can, I think you can tell normally when someone's a creative person just looking at this fascinating bunch of people all of whom clearly felt drawn to go to Ibiza even though it was winter and the clubs were closed Um, and then again being out and about in Santularia in the winter and just the buzz the kind of people hearing so many different different languages different accents within those languages and just thinking there's, there's something which connects us all. Um, and if we are all feeling the kind of positivity that I feel here, then this is something where exciting things can definitely happen. How would you say Ibiza has kind of expanded your perspective? Expanded my perspective on life, generally. Um, oh, let me think about this, because I've thought about how my topic feeds into expanding perspectives. Um, I think... For me personally, when we're feeling positive-minded, when we are feeling, as I've described, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally aligned, just everything has clicked into place and we're feeling very whole, from that place of wholeness and positivity, that's where we can expand our worldview, our perspective across all kinds of topics. You know, if we're feeling negative, if we're feeling disconnected within ourselves, then that's a very challenging place from which to expand our perspectives. But when we're feeling whole, we're feeling connected, and we feel that we're in a community of people who are having the same experience, then that's where people are open-minded to ideas being shared. That's where new ideas, um, new steps forward, be it in environment, be it in music, um, be it in any kind of creative area, that's where progress happens. I think that's really, yeah, inspiring and definitely, you know, the experience. I think that obviously everybody that decides to sort of pack up and move here tends to have um and you know obviously it's not that difficult i think to be in a more positive mindset here because of the weather that's obviously uh, a huge part of everything the light um and just yeah the kinds of people that you can you know tend to surround yourself with but i think you know it's interesting like obviously your topic is about sex so how did you um when did that become your career well it's quite a long story. I'll try to keep it succinct. Um, I had a fantasy when I was a little girl of being a striptease artist. I was very kind of underconfident 
as a as a teenager. Um, had a sister but no brothers. Went to an all girls school. Never had a boyfriend, although I was desperate for one. And didn't imagine that this fantasy of being a striptease artist could ever actually come true. So instead, I worked on my second passion, which was writing and did a journalism degree at London College of Printing, which in the mid-90s was the top journalism degree in the UK. So was off on that path, um, worked in financial journalism and then moved into fashion journalism. And then just at the point when my family was so proud of me, my friends were so jealous of me, um, with this you know rising star career in fashion journalism, I saw an advert for London School of Striptease which at the time was brand new. This is around 2001. And I thought, let's just go and and do the beginner's course and explore this fantasy that I've always had. Um, And just found that I absolutely loved it. And much as I describe when I come to Ibiza, feeling everything click into place and feeling so at home, I found the same thing on stage as a striptease artist. Now, this was a shock for someone who'd only ever had one boyfriend, Um, If you remember the days of communal changing rooms in shops, I was a girl who would queue for half an hour for the one cubicle because I wouldn't get undressed in the communal changing room. But somehow combining that with the artistry and the eroticism and exoticism of striptease, somehow everything just felt right. So I ended up ditching the fashion journalism career Um, becoming a striptease artist but using the journalism skills the media contacts to become a bit of a voice within the media in the UK about about not so much strictly about sex but about um, adult entertainment rights um, erotic rights for people traditionally denied them for example people with physical disabilities Um, I found myself on this path that was allowing me to explore loads of different aspects of sex and eroticism. Um, the, The energy behind those things and how that works outside of the bedroom because for so many of us we think of sex um, and eroticism as something that happens in the bedroom in our intimate relationship and we don't necessarily think about how that kind of energy can be beneficial outside of the bedroom. But I found myself on this path with the stripping, um, with the campaigning that I was doing. I taught striptease, and I still do, and saw the incredible transformations among people. I've taught all genders, but mostly women. The incredible transformations in confidence, in connection with their own bodies, in understanding of themselves sexually, in their ownership of their sexual energy. I saw all sorts of incredible transformations and still do. Um, And then I was modelling, I was running events, all sorts of stuff within the erotic world and absolutely loved it and felt entirely at home. Then I met my now husband, Nev, and when it got to the point that we wanted to spend more time together, it meant me moving out of London. There wasn't any other choice. Um, Also, I was getting into my late 30s and the kinds of venues that I thrived at as a dancer were closing down with the gentrification of East London and, and all sorts of other things going on. So basically, I then stepped out of the erotic industries, as I think of them, um, spent the next five or six years dedicated to creating a happy step family. 
So that was something I'd never seen coming. I'd never wanted kids. If you'd said you're going to get together with someone who's a dad, I would have said, no, I'll run a million miles. Um, But I found myself in that situation and entirely dedicated to making that work. Now, as part of that, um, hey, your new stepmom was a stripper, wasn't going to go down well. Um, Also, I'd moved to a very small, very gossipy village or just outside of a small gossipy village. And we agreed that it was something that I was going to keep hush-hush. And in the meantime, I trained and worked as a personal fitness trainer because I like being in intimate situations with people very quickly. I'm not someone who does well with small talk and chit-chat. I like to get straight in there, Um, which you do as a striptease artist. And as a personal trainer, within 20 minutes of meeting someone, they're sweating on a mat in front of you. So again, it's this intimate situation. Um, so I did that, but it, I wasn't fully satisfied with that. Um, that, that's putting it very lightly. I felt in my heart that I was a full-time striptease artist who was being denied access to the stage. I was doing all this other stuff in the meantime, but I wasn't expressing and living my true self. Um, so that was an experience which was very, very difficult at the time, but I'm glad now to have had because it gave me great insight into what it's like not to be living your authentic self. Um, Anyway, I said I'd try not to go off on one. But then fast forward to the point when my stepkids were old enough to know that, hey, your stepmom used to be a stripper. They were going off to university um, and it was time for me to focus in again on what I wanted to do in life. And I knew that I wanted to get back into the erotic world. But at this point, early 40s, living outside of London, had no idea how that was going to happen. And in the meantime, um, decided to do a life coaching diploma because I felt very drawn towards it. Um, Quite a few people had said, oh, you'd be a great life coach. And I thought, well, with that, again, I'm going to be straight in there quickly into intimate conversations. And by intimate, I don't necessarily mean sexual, obviously. Um, So I did this diploma for nine months um, and then about a month later someone who'd been on the diploma with me contacted me and you know when someone says I want to ask you something but I don't want you to be offended and it's okay to say no and oh I don't know if I can ask you and you're just thinking I'll just just tell me what it is. Um, She said would you coach me around sex and I was like excuse me and she said I've just turned 40 my body's changing um I'm having all sorts of insecurities that I've never had before. I'm also remembering certain things that I was feeling in my teens about aspects of sex and gender and stuff that I might want to explore that at the time I shut down. And I feel that now's the time. But I'm very shy. Um, I don't talk about sex even with my partner. But because of your past, specifically because you were a stripper for so long, because you have so much experience in that kind of world, I know you're not going to slut shame me. I know you're not going to be shocked. You're not going to judge me. And you're the first person I've ever met who I feel I could talk to and I need help in this area. So for me, that was the light bulb moment that I could combine everything I'd learned on the coaching diploma with my extreme comfort levels around talking about this topic um so that as I say that was the light bulb but then I thought well do I need a master's in sexology do I need further qualifications so I had a mentoring session with a sexologist in the UK 
told her all about my background, which includes kink and various alternative practices as well, and told her about my diploma. Um, And she said, if you want to get going now, you've got everything you need to get going now. There are people who desperately need what you are teaching. So I'm a coach. I work with people who are in a place where they can positively look forward, imagine a positive future, and who are ready to take action steps to get there. So I'm not a therapist or counsellor. So if someone's got trauma holding them back, that's what they need. But there are so many people who don't have unresolved trauma, but still do not have good sex lives. And that's holding them back in their full expression of life, in their relationships, who just need a coach to kind of, well, at the time I was thinking need a coach to help them with this. So I got started Um, but very quickly found that I had massively underestimated two things. The first one being how uncomfortable people are talking about sex, but the second bigger one being the lack of education. So as part of my time doing striptease, etc., I'd been reviewing books around sex, um, writing reviews for a magazine. So my education level on even basics like female anatomy was quite a lot further along than the average person's but I didn't realise that. So for example if I'm having an initial chat, a discovery call with a couple, we get down to the fact that the root of their discomfort around sex together is that she's not experiencing as much pleasure as she wants and he feels he's letting her down um, etc etc so even getting to that in a conversation might take an hour but when we get to that if I then say if I was to give you a piece of paper could you draw the full structure of the clitoris generally the answer is no so then I know that there's a certain process of education that needs to happen first Um, one of the biggest light bulb moments with people is when they learn about, for example, spontaneous versus responsive desire. So we all think that if we're not spontaneously wanting sex with a partner, even years into the relationship, that there's something wrong with us or that there's something wrong with the relationship. But actually, as we age, as a relationship ages, our desire style shifts to something called responsive, where we need something sexy happening for us to respond to. We're not just going to suddenly feel like sex. Now, this is basic sexual science that's been around since the late 90s, but that most people aren't aware of. And again, it's just that education. So when someone says, I've been with my partner seven years, I love him, but I never feel like I just want to jump on him. And when I say that's entirely normal, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, Just that that awareness um, and that kind of reassurance, there's nothing wrong. We just need to learn more about each other and about the basics of sexual science. It's that education that then gets people to a point where they are ready for coaching. Um, So that's a very long way of getting around to the fact that I started out calling myself a sex coach. But as I said in my introduction, I now call myself an adult sex educator. That needs to come first and coach. Um, And I found, as I say, people don't necessarily want to talk initially. So I do various different webinars. I have an online course where people don't have to speak to me, but they can learn about themselves 
um, tailor what they're learning to themselves. It's what I call guided self-coaching and end up with this much deeper, deeper understanding of who they are sexually, what they want and need, how to communicate that, how to be open to another person being just as unique and individual as they are and how to make that work sexually. So that brings us up to where we are now. Mm. Are you still stripping? I'm not stripping anymore now, no. Um, I don't feel it's something that I would want to go back to as a career. I mean, for a start, I'm in my late 40s now, which in some ways you might say, well, that doesn't matter, and it shouldn't matter, but in the mainstream it does. Um, So there wouldn't be the opportunities as such. I think if someone contacted me and said, will you do a one-off show? Um, If one of my friends said, will you do a show for my 50th birthday or something like that? Then yes, I absolutely would. Um, But it's not something I do on a regular basis. I still don't live in a big city. I'm still out, out in the middle of nowhere. So for practical reasons as well, it's not something I'm doing much of at the moment. When you say that you're, you know, you were working on this relationship of um, becoming a stepmother and um, so you obviously quit your day job temporarily to focus on, you know, that relationship specifically. But do you think, you know, should there be this perception even among kids or or anybody in, in small town communities that people that do that kind of work for a living are a certain way or, you know, what what's your kind of theory behind that? I think it would be fantastic if we were all living in a time and place where we could be entirely open about everything, including that. So yeah, I fully agree with you. Um, But I found myself in a situation with two stepkids for whom the news wasn't age appropriate. Um, When I first met them, they were nine and 11. When I moved in, they were 11 and 13. So that's a tricky age anyway. You've got a fairly recent divorce the ex-wife living in the same village, incredibly, incredibly traditional um, future parents-in-law. My future father-in-law was near death um, and it was not a time to bring what would have been this perceived as this whirlwind of chaos into the family. So I'd always been entirely open with everyone. So partners had always known my parents knew the tax man knew right from the start um one of the reasons why I was so much able to do so much work in the UK press was because I had nothing to hide it was all out there um and my experience of moving to this tiny village and deciding with my now husband that it was a side of my life we were gonna keep secret Um, was incredibly, incredibly difficult. And part of me wanted to live how I'd always lived with it and say, no, I'm going to be open about this. Um, But there were... There were bigger things to think about, or rather there was a longer-term game. So my absolute priority was that my husband's relationship with his kids wouldn't be damaged. So already... A woman 10 years younger coming from London I was vegetarian at the time which here in Ibiza doesn't sound shocking at all but moving to a very small town Buckinghamshire community then um, that was shocking at the time I was already this very alien figure Um, and to bring in oh she's also um, this award-winning campaigner for sexual rights striptease artist for over a decade etc etc 
would have just made an already difficult situation much, much more challenging. The situation now is I have a great relationship with both my stepkids. They know what I do and they know my past as well. They know why we kept it quiet and they are both big, big supporters of mine. So that's, and and their relationship with their dad is stronger than ever. So it's turned out even better than I could have imagined. But it did require those years where I had to stay quiet about it. If we'd been here in Ibiza at that point, then I'd like to think I could have been entirely out there and open and coming back to your question, in an ideal world, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So the whole thing was a very, very intense learning experience for me on how to balance that whole complex mix of factors that I've just described. Spinderella cut it up one time. you you know you obviously didn't fancy the idea of having a a secret life like you know but there's no real reason I suppose in the modern day world that you know a a sex worker if that's what you even call them I've no idea you know would need to be not revealing themselves in their in their whole part so I think it's very interesting but like what do you you know how did that feel you said this is with your fantasy for all those years and suddenly you actually got up on stage and you felt really at home but what was it about that you know experience that um gave you that feeling when I first got up on stage um, at my first ever audition at a place called The White Horse in Shoreditch, um, no longer exists, but one of the old traditional East End striptease pubs, what I found was actually the more clothes I took off, the less nervous I was, which was the total opposite to what I would have expected. Um, and things just felt right it was kind of the same as coming to Ibiza and everything just clicking into place and feeling right. Um, If you are someone who believes that we have a soul and a soul's purpose, which I know a lot of people here on Ibiza will resonate with, then I would say my soul's purpose is the expression of sexual energy as a force for good, as a nourishing, healthy, positive force for good. I think generally in society it's become kind of twisted and squashed by shame and turned into a force which is often not really used for good. Um, There's obviously an extreme of that, but even in so many people's day-to-day lives, it's a source of shame, of discomfort. It's an area where they don't feel they're being their true selves. Something I hear again and again and again from women normally is I feel there's a woman will say to me I feel there's this wild passionate woman inside me wanting to get out but she's never been able to get out and when you hear a woman in her say mid to late 50s or early 60s saying that and you think and you hear that she had a 20-year first marriage that was absolutely miserable where they never never talked about sex where she never experienced sexual pleasure um and you just think how how would her life have been different if sexual energy was presented right from the start as something positive, healthy, and as a force for good? Um, so, yeah, my, I, I believe my soul's purpose is to kind of promote sexual energy as a force for good. And so with that in mind, that first time that I went out onto a stage and could 
express sexual energy. I know a lot of people outside of the striptease industries, etc., have a lot of negative perceptions. Um, I've spent a lot of my time back when I was dancing, campaigning, etc., trying to put that right. I also needed to put it right within the perception of my own parents, certain friends, etc., etc. Um, but I felt that that first time I stepped out onto the stage and then every time I stepped out onto the stage that I was doing something good, that I was contributing something positive and that I was transporting myself and the audience to a universe where sexual energy was positive and nourishing and where we all felt better from it. What, what do you think is the number one thing through your coaching work? You know, obviously you can't be specific because all these conversations presumably are confidential, but what, what's the number one thing do you think that's holding people back from achieving their wildest dreams and hopes in the bedroom? I think people aren't aware of what they could be achieving in the bedroom because they're so locked into what they see in the mainstream media. Now, there's a lot of criticisms about pornography, um, people are trying to, to do what they see in porn. Um, and I know that there are particular valid concerns about teenagers viewing pornography and thinking that's that's how sex is done. But I actually think a lot of the messages in the mainstream that we're receiving are also extremely limiting around what sex can be, around gender roles, around discussion or lack of discussion about sex in relationships, around sexual health, um, we are when it when it comes to sex we can kind of feel we can believe what we see in the mainstream because it's not porn but actually the messaging I, I think is still very harmful um, the big sensation with sex on TV was Bridgerton in the UK was that three years or so ago um, and when I saw that it was all the usual cliches about um Missionary position sex, orgasming, (laughs) as a sex coach, I should be able to say that word, but orgasming in two minutes straight, um, that if there's passion for each other, then everything should just happen naturally and spontaneously with no conversation, with no, no knowledge, no education, no kind of special skills, that if things are right, it just all happens naturally. Um, And that's not how real life is. So people have grown up seeing that, having gender roles, um, how how a woman should be in bed, how a man should be in bed. um, And they think that's how sex should be. And because their own sex life doesn't match that, then that there's something wrong with them and they feel ashamed. And that shame means they don't talk to their partner. Meanwhile, their partner's feeling exactly the same kind of things. Um, maybe if it's a heterosexual male partner um, he has such clear rules in his head about what his role is as a heterosexual man Um, and he's never necessarily had his mind open that there's so many other ways to be as a heterosexual man that there is so much to explore you know there's this whole massive universe of sexual pleasure that in my mind isn't limited by by gender by age by physical ability of the body there's so much more to it than penetrative intercourse Um, but because we're not educated because most people if we're consuming mainstream media 
um, and porn are only seeing such a narrow range of what sex can be. Um, And so people end up unhappy for years, decades, for their whole lives. Um, And I think that's the biggest problem. Where do you think is the best place for people to, you know, obviously school would be a pretty good starting point, but, you know, where do you think people should begin to learn, like, you know, what is good in the bedroom? Well, happily, literally in the last couple of years, there's been some amazing new series coming out. Um, The Principles of Pleasure on Netflix was a great one. Love Sex Goop, Gwyneth Paltrow's series, again, was very, very good around sex. Um, covering some of the basics of anatomy, some of the basics of arousal science, basically helping viewers realise we are entirely normal. Um, And I think that's an important message that people feel so reassured by. Um, I'm normal, I realise that there's so much for me to learn and where to learn. So yeah, there's series. So whatever someone's favourite streaming service or favourite network is, Go out looking for stuff on sex. I haven't yet watched the Cara Delevingne show that's just come out, but I've heard amazing things. So that's definitely on my list. So sex is being talked about more. Um, I think podcasts are fantastic. If you go to Apple Podcasts and look for sex, you should only get educational podcasts. You shouldn't get anything pornographic. Um, And they're a great starting point because obviously you can... You can watch TV in private, but in some ways it's easier to listen to a podcast. And not only are you learning facts, but crucially, you are normalising within your own brain, normalising conversation around sex, because you're hearing people talking about it in an entirely matter-of-fact kind of way. Um, So yeah, podcast, get on Apple, Apple Podcasts, search for sex, get on Netflix, look for sex, And then from there, you'll realise that there are amazing books out there, um, mostly aimed at women, but some for men as well. And I would recommend all genders read all of them. There is quite a lot out there. It's the same as with any topic. We're, We're in our own bubbles of information. And when you're within a bubble where you haven't been curious to go and educate yourself around sex because of shame, because of feeling, oh, it's just me. Something I hear so often on first calls is, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. I've never told anyone this before. Oh God, you're going to think I'm so awful. But, and then they'll tell me something and I'll say, 50% of the women I speak to tell me that. And you just see the person's face change. You're like, really? Like, yeah, 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 you're normal. So once we start then looking four sources of positive education around sex there is quite a lot out there and you know you know how algorithms and everything work now you find a couple of positive things and then you get shown more positive things um and that's the journey the start of the journey of self-education and then once you realize that that's a possibility um then the world's your oyster really I mean, we're not going to go into the topic of your talk, but what what are your wildest hopes and dreams for giving, you know, your TEDx talk on the on the TEDx Dalt Villa stage? Well, without going into the topic, um, TED obviously is ideas worth sharing. 
and speakers who are experts in their particular niche sharing one clear idea in such a way that the audience can go, wow, I get it, and can then go and take it in and use it in their own lives if they feel it's appropriate for them, and then convey themselves to other people that one clear idea. Um, and the topic I'm going to talk about is one of those ideas that I have found to be the light bulb moment for one-to-one clients, for people um, who I've just been chatting with at a dinner party, for example, um, when I've done podcasts on my webinars where you know you might get three figures, people watching. There's one particular thing where people will say, that just stuck in my mind and I went, wow, that just changes everything. It's something which I've seen set people off on their own journey of self-education. And that's my dream. So I've never, never been particularly interested in a coach, as a coach, in wanting to have a kind of small roster of high paying clients. I've always been someone who wants to get positive messages out as widely as possible. Um, and yeah, put an idea to have the opportunity to put an idea out there that I absolutely believe hand on heart and I'm putting my hand on my heart can make a difference and can be that kind of unlocking of that possibility of, wow, sex can be so much more than I've been thinking of it. What I can do to educate myself around sex, um, can be so much more and the amount of joy and positivity the lifting of shame this can be an incredibly exciting nourishing journey that can revive sparks in relationships that can repair people's confidence and belief in themselves that can reconnect them with their bodies the idea i'm going to share i have seen just take people on that journey and be the starting point so my dream with it is that everyone who hears it who isn't entirely happy and confident in their sex life will go wow I can apply that to me instantly starting now and that that is the first step on this journey towards much more pleasurable fulfilling playful happier sex lives and then the bigger picture from that um if we are happy sexually so if you think back to a time when you've felt great and things have been going really well on your in your sexual life be that with a partner or be that just on your own um probably if you're imagining that you start smiling you remember you had a bit of a spring in your step um you felt very positive from the point of feeling happy sexually we are obviously creating lots of happy brain chemicals um but we're more creative we're more open-minded we're more generous and I think when we're in that state we are not just better lovers to ourselves or to other people but we are better friends we're better family members we're more positive in our community Um, we just show up in the world with more positive energy and I absolutely think that that's what the world needs now Mm. so a revolution through the channel of a revolution in sex Mm. what what other kind of like number one pointers I suppose that you might give someone wanting to just feel a bit more sexy and to be able to take that into the bedroom like what you know what where do they sort of begin with maybe kind of tapping into that positive sexual energy 
The beginning would be education, which might sound like a very dry answer to that question. Um, But if you imagine it was a question about cars, how can you were saying, so how can someone, what bit of advice can you give them that are going to make them a happier, more confident, more empowered driver who loves driving and gets more of a thrill out of it? There wouldn't be one thing I could say, um, one tip that I could give to make someone instantly able to go and get and drive that car differently. Part of it would be learning more about driving, learning about driving styles, about different cars, etc., etc. And in the same way, in order to have the experience that you've just described, the key is education and kind of understanding what is out there and what's possible sexually that's not something which one one tip you know it's not oh where go go and put some sexy lingerie on and light some candles have a bubble bath and have a glass of wine and you'll feel so much better um real life isn't a magazine article with 10 different types of orgasm to have tonight at the top of it um and I'm glad it isn't because there's there's so much more to it than that. So I would say the first step is some curiosity. What can I watch? What can I listen to that might teach me something new? Um, and then just follow follow your own interests from there. Last question, where do you feel most sexy, Ibiza or England? Ibiza, definitely. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I'll um, nip into the ladies before I get on the flight in an airport in the UK and I'll look in the mirror and I'll think, oh, you look tired, you look this, you look that. And I'll go into the Lou's in Ibiza airport where the lighting is no better or different. And I'll think, oh, don't you look amazing? Come on, come on. Yeah, definitely Ibiza. Um, again, because when we feel whole, when we feel connected physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's from that place where we're going to feel sexy. So Ibiza, this is a place where I feel connected. So this is definitely the place I feel sexiest. And obviously the culture here of all ages, all body shapes, being able to be naked on the beach, no judgment, no restrictions around um, who can be out dancing at what age, etc, etc. I love that, that we're just so free here. And when we feel free and we feel connected within ourselves, that's when we can feel our sexiest. Ruth Ramsey, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Reset Rebel It's the Reset Rebel It's the Reset Rebel It's the Reset Rebel Coming to you every day